If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Medicine in America, hosted by Anthony Manson and Todd Harrington, shares the stories of physicians, other healthcare professionals, and industry leaders who are changing the way we deliver care. There's an episode that you should check out called Primary Care Reimagined with Subscription-Based Preventative Care Model. It's an inspiring call for a paradigm shift in primary care. All of their episodes highlight innovative ideas at the forefront of the movement to transform our healthcare system. Check out Medicine in America on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. I'm Tara Bradner, and this is Hopeful Hints, an infertility podcast where you will receive quick, hopeful hints to guide you through infertility. Here you will find education, inspiration, and most importantly, find peace as you walk through this journey to fulfill your family vision. I'm your host, Tara Bradner, and today I am so excited for our guest, Kathy Quillett of the Quillett Institute. How are you, Kathy? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. So Kathy Quillett is a licensed marriage and family therapist, fertility coach, and published author. She also is a public speaker and barren mom who specializes in infertility and pregnancy loss along with the treatment of those in the season of pregnancy, postpartum, and adoption. Kathy is the owner of Tennessee Reproductive Therapy in Tennessee and CEO of the Quillet Institute, a passion project providing fertility coaching around the globe. Holy smokes, where were you when I needed you, right? Like all Girl, of- Girl, where were you when I needed you? <laughs> we needed each other more we than we do. each other. That's yeah. why we're here today. That is why we are doing what we are doing. Yeah. Well, yeah. I am so excited for you to be able to bring listeners three hopeful hints. They are so good. Can we keep the, let's keep them in order how you have them. I'm going to keep it a surprise till we get there. But my favorite one is the last one that you put on there. The smiley face. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. You're onto it. All I right. got you. Okay. So let's just start. Let's get to it. Okay. Um, all right. Number one, self-care. Let's hear it. Yeah. I think as women, we're taught from when we're really young that taking care of ourselves and putting our needs first is really selfish. And especially in the middle of infertility, when we're dealing with so much, like giving ourselves shots or going to appointments or acupuncture that it almost becomes like taking care of ourselves becomes a job, right? So we're going to acupuncture massage. We're taking these herbs, we're doing these things, even sex becomes a job, right? Yeah. So what I always tell my clients is like, what, or ask my clients, what makes you come alive? What are the things that you did before infertility that you're not doing anymore? Now, some of us aren't doing them because of the pandemic and because of the, the mandates put on us. But if you could really, like I ask my, my clients this a lot, like, what makes you come alive? And they say, I don't even know anymore. I just want to be a mom. I'm like, okay, put that on a shelf for a minute. What do you love? Do you love rock climbing? Do you love, you know, succulents? Do you love hockey games? What is it that makes you come alive and feel at your core that you are living life? And so do those things. Those are the things that sustain us and help us thrive 
I would say, and I think you would agree, move your body 30 minutes a day. If your body allows. Absolutely. Eat for your body instead of for your emotions. Get eight hours of sleep. Limit your, these aren't tips to like help you get pregnant. These are tips to help you live well, limit any excess chemicals to your body, like a drug. So hear me when I say, don't do drugs. (laughs) (laughs) Literally just Just don't don't do do them. Just don't go there. (laughs) But just take care of yourself. If you are having a bad day and you feel like I'm just going to explode, take a bath. Yeah. Read a book, find something that you can say, I'm doing it just for me. And it can be those little things. Like you said, read a book, take a bath, stand in the hot shower for 30 minutes, you know? Yeah. Self-care isn't selfish. No, it's necessary. It's almost should be a prescription as you know, nurse practitioner and me, like, can I just prescribe a prescription for that? Because it is so easy to forget about you and you as a couple, like you said. Absolutely. Absolutely. And after infertility, hopefully fingers crossed is pregnancy and postpartum that uh, those are terrible seasons of life to start taking care of yourself. And you're going to need it even more than so start building healthy patterns. Now, would you say we could almost look at it as prepping for pregnancy and postpartum? I'm uh, we do premarital counseling. Why don't we do pre-parenting counseling? Ooh, absolutely. So I work on that a lot with my clients. Like, yes, this is hard right now, but now's the time to work on not just making a baby, prioritizing ourselves so that we're ready for the following seasons. Absolutely. Especially if the following season is childlessness, right? Yep. Exactly. Wow. So good. Well, this is just going to carry into number two. Number two, support. Support. So I give my clients a mood chart, a lot of my new ones. And it's not for diagnostic purposes, but what it does is I want them to say like on an average day, did you have a high mood or a low mood? I want them to rank it. Were you anxious? Were you irritable? How many hours of sleep did you eat? Did you eat nutrition? Did you move your body? Something else is, did you get support? Support is really hard in the middle of infertility, but I think it's necessary. And people are like, I don't know how to rank it. Did you feel seen? Did you feel heard? Did somebody acknowledge you today on a level that made you feel like you were important? Because we need that and we need to ask for it if you're not getting it. And, you know, I was talking with somebody earlier today and they were like, I don't know any other people in the season of infertility. I get it. Tara has a community. I have a community. Um, And, you know, a lot of times people are like, I'm taking a a hiatus from social media and I get that, but there are communities there of people who can say, I get you. C.S. Lewis said, friendship is the born at the moment when somebody says to another, wait, what? Me too. Ooh, I like that. I know. I needed that on a wall. I think that's so good. A t-shirt or something. Shirt, something. Right. And so find people who are going to be in your corner. I'm not a runner, but the symbolism isn't lost on me. And I always say that we need three people in running the race of infertility. We need somebody ahead of us who's kind of pacing us like, Hey, been there, done that. Here's what IVF means. Look out for this. You know, when, uh, you go through IVF, like here are the side effects from this medication or who can say I had a miscarriage. So I know how to love you well through yours. 
We need somebody running behind us who we can say, Hey, been there, done that. Here's what you need to ask your doctor. And we need somebody keeping step with us to keep us going the right pace. Wow. That is so good. Mm, Thanks. I don't know if I've ever heard that analogy. I like it. Well, there you go. There it is. It's so lonely. We all know, you and I both know that. Mm -hmm. And another thing just to kind of add in there too, perhaps we have to remember that not everybody ran the same marathon. Let's just keep the running analogy. We're not the same race or the same event, but we still have that same goal that same end desire. And so to not compare and know you can still find help and support in those around you going through infertility in general, in general, if you have infertility, we're here. Got you. So important. Okay. My favorite. This is the one with the winky. There's a drum roll. I can't make a noise like that. (laughs) Sex. Let's talk about sex. Let's talk about sex. Oh my gosh. The, the song of sex since the nineties. Um, statistically speaking, those that have trouble with infertility have a difficult time recovering their sex life after I work with so many couples that'll come in and say, um, I'm having a really, really difficult time engaging in sex with my husband, even after kids, because infertility ruined it for me. It becomes a job. We become apathetic. So I always tell my clients, we need to fight for good sex. What that means is it means spicing up ovulatory sex. I'm not talking like kinky kinky. I'm talking more than like, take your pants off sailor, (laughs) right? Yes. What can like, what at the beginning of your relationship, whenever the two of you became sexually active, what spiced up your sex life? What drew you to each other? Was it music, candles, shower, whatever? Start engaging in those things. Even more so, we need to work on non-ovulatory sex. Sex is about intimacy, not just physical. Like we're past our sexual primes, a lot of us. So we're also looking for the emotional connection of marriage in the middle of all of this, right? And so we, we need to fight for non-ovulatory good sex. I remember somebody in grad school, his name was Bill and Bill was married for 20 years at the time. And I was single. And I said, he looked like he had a great relationship. And I said, Bill, what's your secret? And you know, we're in freaking therapy school. <laughs> I thought he was going to say communication. He said, you know what, Kath, the secret to a good marriage is 24 hour foreplay. Ooh, do explain. 24 hour foreplay. That means whispering in her ear as she's cooking dinner and say, you are the sexiest woman alive. That means sending a sexy text and saying, I can't wait to hold your body tonight. This it is bill. I know it's rubbing against somebody as you know, they're leaning over and being like, I think you're the most attractive woman in the world ladies get your men to listen to this episode if they have right yet (laughs) but men are like microwaves you can be like sex and they're hard (laughs) right you explain that because there's psychology with men and sex right like it's not it's different than women i mean not to go too deep they think about it like 96 percent of the day it's a lot you know men are so i heard it said once Though as much as men think about it, 
men are super conscientious about it. They want to do it right for us. They want to love us well, but sometimes they don't know how to couples that talk about sex. The most have better sex. Talk about it, get creative, have fun, have a good non-ovulatory sex because you just want to, you just want to, because you can, because you're able-bodied enough to do it and then spice up sex during ovulation. I love it. I love the word non-ovulatory sex because it's hard to turn that brain off when you know, if you know, and you're fortunate enough to know when you're ovulating, of course, but like it's hard. So to acknowledge that, but these are so good to remember all of this. There we go. There's our three hopeful hints. Anything else, Kathy, you'd like to share today? Here's my final takeaway. Your identity is not wrapped up in your diagnosis. A couple of years ago, I was writing a uh, freaking hoverboard and it launched me and I broke my elbow. Oops. Oopsie daisy. <laughs> and I remember sitting on the doctor's table and he said, I'm so sorry, Mrs. Quilt, you have a broken elbow. Rewrite, rewind over a decade. And I sat on a different doctor's table and they said, I'm so sorry, Mrs. Quilt, you are infertile. And we think in the middle of all of this, that who we are is a woman unable to carry a child so far that we are broken women and we shame and we blame and we hate ourselves. You are a woman and a man struggling with diagnosable medical conditions. Can I get an amen from you, Tara? Amen. That need to be treated in order for your body to work properly. And properly is conception and carrying a child. One in eight of us can't do that. I cannot do that. And so we need to know that our medical condition is not our identity. We, we label things. And we put adjectives to diagnoses when we don't understand it. My mom battled cancer. We don't call her cancerous. We understand it a little bit more socially. My son has autism. They call him autistic. His identity hasn't changed. He has autism. You have PCOS or unexplained infertility or azuspermia, right? You are not your diagnosis. It is not an adjective. Hopefully it'll be soon. It'll be a past tense verb. Right. Absolutely. I think it's such a powerful takeaway to, and and to know it's going to take time for you to swallow that and feel it, but you, you need to remember that. Absolutely need to remember that it's a diagnosis and does not define you. End of that period period after that. Thank you so much, Kathy, for joining us. Yes. And I'm certain we'll have you back. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. It was great. Join us next week for hopeful hints to bring you peace as you walk through your infertility journey. And if you want to know my top 10 questions you should ask your reproductive doctor, check out the link in the show notes to print and take with you to your next appointment. Thank you for joining. If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Medicine in America, hosted by Anthony Manson and Todd Harrington, shares the stories of physicians, other healthcare professionals, and industry leaders who are changing the way we deliver care. 
There's an episode that you should check out called Primary Care Reimagined with Subscription-Based Preventative Care Model. It's an inspiring call for a paradigm shift in primary care. All of their episodes highlight innovative ideas at the forefront of the movement to transform our healthcare system. Check out Medicine in America on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.